We are in Ephesians, and we're coming very, very close to the end. We have this week, and then next week, and then that is it. We will be finishing next week. So we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and he's coming to sort me out. Ignore what this looks like. <laughs> he's just coming to, <laughs> to sort out my microphone. <clears throat> uh, we have looked over the last few weeks at the armour of God, and then last week at prayer. So we looked at the helmet of salvation, knowing that we, uh, we wear a helmet that says that we are saved and there's nothing that can happen that can take away from our salvation. We know that in all situations our salvation is assured. We have a breastplate of righteousness which says, no matter what I do in life, I am righteous. I might have to switch to handheld, sorry guys. Keep, keep it on. We have not a working microphone. We have a working microphone. There you go. We have a breastplate of righteousness, which says that uh, no matter what we do in life, God looks down on me and sees me as perfectly righteous because of Christ and what Christ has done and the fact that I am clothed in Christ's righteousness. We have the shoes equipped with the readiness to the gospel. So it says uh, the gospel of peace. We have peace with God. No matter what happens in life, we know that wherever we walk, we can stand knowing that we have peace with God. That the gospel says that uh, that hostility between us and God has been taken and we have peace with God. We have a, a shield of faith with which to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. No matter what Satan throws at us, we can have faith that God is bigger, that God is greater, and He is more powerful. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he talks about how we have the Bible. In all situations, we're able to quote scriptures. We're able to come back uh, at, at Satan with, with scriptures of truth to in, for any and every situation. And we have a belt of truth. Not truthfulness, not honesty, but a belt of truth. Again, we say in every situation, whatever lies that Satan will try and speak over us, we can come back with the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is and who we are in him. And then last week, Aaron talked about prayer. And that's still a continuation of spiritual warfare. We are to be actively engaged in spiritual warfare through prayer. Um, and Aaron talked about different ways in which we can do that. But it's, it's important for us to recognise that that is part of this battle. As, as people who are, as Christians, we are on the front line. And actually, we need to be regularly praying, praying at all times, in fact. Uh, as part of this battle. And we're going to continue today, and actually we're continuing, continuing along a line of spiritual warfare. Uh, it might seem like that, that section is left, like we've finished the armour of God, but actually I want us to read this passage still with that mindset of we're in battle here. Okay? So if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're reading verses 19 to 20. And I'm also going to read Colossians 4, 2-6, because it's another letter written by Paul, and it says a very, very similar thing. And so I want to read that as well. Okay. It says this. Actually, I'm going to read from uh, just before that. So, from verse... 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, 
the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Colossians 4-6 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is a continuation of the spiritual battle. Satan wants to prevent the spread of the gospel. Uh, I have got a picture of a soldier of Christ. Okay? This is my granny family. Uh, it was her 90th birthday uh, a week ago, and I, I was actually up in Lancaster yesterday uh, to celebrate with her. Uh, we had a family gathering there. And my granny fulfills this mandate better than probably anybody I know. She is steadfast in prayer. She prays constantly. Uh, she is a prayer warrior. Every day she's praying for us, and throughout the day she is found in prayer. She is overflowing with thanksgiving. She's starting to actually lose uh, her mind a little bit. She has dementia, which is very sad, but she is still overflowing with thanksgiving for what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do in her life. Uh, at one point she gave thanks to God that she didn't have diabetes, and we, and we said, you do have diabetes. She said, oh, well, <laughs> I mean, that could be much worse. <laughs> But she's just so grateful, and it's not it's not force, it's not faith, she is genuinely overflowing with thanksgiving. Her speech is always gracious and seasoned with salt. She never has a bad word to say about anybody. She genuinely loves talking about how good people are and looking at the good in people. And she can't help but tell people that God has been good to her. She doesn't do it in a way to be intentionally evangelistic, she just she just loves God and loves what God has done in her life and loves talking about how good he is. Now obviously Jesus is the person that I most want to emulate in my life, but in terms of kind of my heroes of faith that I, I aspire to be like, she is well up there. Uh, and as soldiers in this battle together, I'd encourage you to look at who are the other soldiers on the front line with us, who I can look to, who I can emulate, who I can aspire to be like. That's not a, that's not a wrong thing. Obviously, yeah, first and foremost, we want to be like Christ, but Look at characteristics of other Christians that you admire and aspire to be like, and yeah, and, and pursue that. Uh, I don't know about you, but Aaron last week says sometimes he finds it hard to pray, and listed kind of some of the, the mindsets that maybe you go through when you're trying to pray. Uh, sometimes I find it hard to be thankful. Sometimes I find it difficult to be gracious and positive in my speech. Sometimes I don't declare my faith boldly as I should. How amazing to pursue these things daily such that they become second nature. But we need God's help. Okay, so what is the gospel that Paul describes? I'll get on to God's help in a minute. What is the what is the good news? What is the gospel that Paul describes? I want to talk about the gospel as three things. I want to talk about it as glorious, as mysterious, 
and it's hugely offensive. Okay, and I'm just going to show you a video clip. It's about four, four minutes or so. Um, many of you will have seen it before. Many of you won't have done. Even if you have seen it, you probably haven't seen it for a little while. So I'm going to click on, and hopefully you guys will be able to play it and you'll be able to hear it. Give God his breath back. You owe 
We are so undeserving, as her video so well put. We, we, we are separated from God in a way that we can't fix it ourselves. We, we can't get back to, uh, to God in our own strength. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can say or do to make up for the things that we've done wrong in this life. Each and every one of us has done things wrong. Each and every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if we look at our lives, we've done things that we regret, which we know that we shouldn't have done. And the only way that we can be made right again is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Jesus died so that we can have restored relationship with God. Jesus died so that we can be forgiven for those sins that we did wrong. Jesus Christ died so we can have freedom and life. That is a glorious gospel. We were opposed to God. And the Bible says not, not just that we were we were people who were really, really trying hard to get to God, and so God said, okay, yeah, all right. The Bible says we were enemies of God. We were opposed to God. Whilst we were enemies of God, Christ came and died for us. The gospel isn't just for those who do just about enough, who try just hard enough to get to God. The gospel is for anyone and everyone who recognizes, I can't save myself. I need Jesus Christ. I, I, I love God. I want to know Him. I want to be with Him. And He gives life to those who trust in Jesus' name. And he gives eternal life and he gives peace and he gives joy and he gives hope for the future. And that's all part of this glorious gospel. Amen.
you're not a Christian this morning, if you don't know uh, the truth of the gospel, if you don't, and you might, might be the first time that you've ever heard it uh, expressed like that, and you want to know more, or you want to say, yeah, I want, I want to that, that sounds, that sounds like it's a no-brainer. Uh, I'd encourage you, please come and grab me afterwards, come and speak to Andy, speak to somebody at the Connection Zone. We, we have an alpha course that's running at the moment, but we'll be running another one at, at later in the year. You can find out more, you can investigate more about, okay, what, what is this? Is there truth behind this? Is this just some kind of a, a myth? Or is this a reality? Is this really true? Can people really receive forgiveness and salvation in the name of Jesus Christ? This is too important to ignore. The gospel may be glorious, but it's also mysterious. Paul asks for prayer to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. What does he mean? Well, at the start of Ephesians in chapters 1 and 2, we looked at uh, the mystery, uh, he talks about a mystery at the start of this letter, uh, and that is the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one new man. So previously, God's people had been the Jews, the Jewish nation, and then at this point, the gospel, as it says in the video, is now for everybody. It's opened up to all people, not just this one race, but to all mankind. But there are other mysteries to the gospel too. The, the doctrine of the Trinity. How can God be three persons in one? How does that work? That is mysterious. God is Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and yet one, and they're all the same, and yet they're, they're three persons. And even, even Jesus himself, while he was on earth, was fully God and fully man. He, he had two natures. How does that work? It wasn't 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man simultaneously. That is mysterious. How are we justified by his righteousness? The fact that Jesus lived a perfect life and died a death that he didn't deserve. How does that mean that we can have perfect righteousness? That's mind-blowing and mysterious. How are we regenerated by His Holy Spirit and His grace? How are we able to have resurrection because He rose from the dead? How are we able to be united with Christ? This is, this is a mysterious gospel and glorious. These things are hard to grasp. In fact, they wouldn't be known at all if it wasn't for the fact that God has made them known. This, this is undiscoverable simply through logic. You wouldn't just figure out that, that that's how the gospel works unless it is made known. And it has been made known to us. It has been made clear to us through Jesus, through his work, hopefully through other Christians, hopefully through preaching on Sunday mornings. But we need others to make it clear. And others need you to make it clear. So why does Paul need boldness and courage to speak out this glorious good news? We've just been talking about how glorious the gospel is. Surely this is news worth showing at all and every opportunity. He needs courage because the gospel is also a stumbling block and an offence. It was offensive to the Jews because Jesus was God in the flesh? That's a heresy. You can't say that God has become a man. This was an offence to the Jews. It's offensive to all people because it forces us to confront the fact that we're not able to save ourselves. We are necessarily dependent on God. But we don't want to be dependent. We want to be independent. We, we want to make our own choices to decide how we live our lives. We want to be our own God. 
it's offensive to our society because we're asserting that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, the only way that people can be saved. That's offensive. It's offensive because it asserts that Satan is real and that he hates you. It's offensive because it asserts that hell is real and that those who don't trust in Jesus Christ, their lives are going to end up there. These things may be offensive, but they're true. Jesus was God in the flesh. We are not able to save ourselves. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Satan is real and he does hate you. Hell is real and many, many people will go there. So where does that leave us? You may... Uh, so Aaron last week talked about maybe some of your thought processes with regard to prayer and some of the kind of excuses or distractions that come to mind as you're praying. And maybe you've had a similar thing in terms of evangelism, in terms of sharing the gospel. Thinking just in the back of your mind, I don't, I don't have the words to do this, I'm not the person to do this. This surely is for an evangelist, this surely is for somebody else. I, I, don't, I, I, don't have, I don't have the right words to express the gospel. It might be that you're thinking, oh, this, is, this just isn't right. Like, I, I don't want to break this relationship. I feel like if I talk about Jesus now, that this person is going to then just start to ignore me and I'm going to lose this friendship, this, this relationship is going to break down. I just, it's, just not, it's just not right to talk about Jesus at the time. Maybe you thought, oh, you know, I've, just, I've, been, I've been praying for the first phase. I've, been, I've shared the gospel with them before and they've not, they've, not, they've not accepted it, they've ignored it, they don't really understand it. It just will be awkward to keep talking about Jesus and to share it again. Like, I think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it. And maybe you just think, I, I, you know, I've just prayed so much for these people, and yet there just seems to be absolutely no, no uh, interest in the gospel whatsoever. It just, there just seems to be no real hope anymore for this person. I've been praying for the people that I play football with on a Monday evening, the Monday Night Football guys, for years. So we, I set up a Monday Night Football group when I moved to Watford about seven years ago, and I've been praying for people, um, kind of, yeah, week in, week out. We, we pray regularly in our small group, and I'll raise up the names of those guys who come. And, and it's great to play football with them, and I enjoy their company, I enjoy being with them. But I'm not going to lie, I want them to know Jesus. <laughs> I want them to know the truth of the gospel. I want them to receive salvation. And, and I've been praying and praying for them for many years and not really seeing any fruit. And at times being quite disheartened at the fact that it just seems to be no real breakthrough. And, and I've tried to, tried to kind of speak to them about my faith and try to pray beforehand and, and just help them to know that God is real, that God loves them. But not seeing their breakthrough. And in my mindset, I was thinking, well, maybe if, you know, if I, I come on to my football, maybe if, if I can uh, invite them along to an event, like an after course, they might come along, they'll hear, they'll hear a, a part of, of the gospel, and they'll, you know, they'll get interested in that. Maybe then, like, after doing after course, they'll be interested to uh, come along to, to church, possibly, uh, and then after maybe a few months going to church, they might realise, they might suddenly realise that this is true. Um, and so that was my, that was kind of my expectation, my timeline of, of possibly somebody maybe become Christian over a number of months. And then on Monday, uh, Monday night, a few months later, as I shared um, testimony a while back, one of the guys just came up to me and said, I've become a Christian. I was like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, 
I've become a Christian. That's not how it's going to happen. Like, you're meant to first all come along to this event, and then after a while, maybe come along to another event, and then after another while, like, maybe you start to consider things and ask some questions, and then after a while, he's like, no, like, like God came and met with me powerfully, I opened up the Bible, I knew it was true, I knew that Jesus was who he said he was, and I knew that there was salvation in him. Hallelujah. And I was like, man, like, <laughs> I've been so much, like, bizarrely, Thinking about the strategies, or well, no, the strategies, but thinking about, okay, how can these people come to know faith? And actually, just, it just reminded me of fresh, salvation is, is in God's hands. He is the author of salvation. And yes, we have an offensive gospel, but we have a glorious gospel for all people, for all time. And God is the author of salvation. And so, where does that, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us as ambassadors. Keep calm and be an ambassador. You are an ambassador of Christ. The ambassadors of men usually appear in great pomp, certainly in Paul's time. Uh, they will be treated with a great deal of respect and even given various diplomatic privileges. And Paul lets us know what we can expect as ambassadors of Christ when he says, I'm an ambassador in chains. He was literally a Roman prisoner in a Roman jail. And yet Paul knew that his true status was not as a prisoner, but as an ambassador to the King of Kings. If you've got your Bibles, I need to turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. words to his disciples. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then from verse 26. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Let me read that again. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. 
As with the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus encourages us to go out and to share the good news to all peoples, to all nations. And in doing so, he shoots down a couple of those kind of excuses that I mentioned before, maybe those thought processes that are going through your mind. I don't have the right words. Jesus says, do not be anxious about what you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. People might not like what I have to say. Yes, that's quite clear, that, that's true. But do not fear them. That's what we need to take these words of Jesus seriously. This is what it means to be followers of Christ. Whilst the type of persecution that, that, that the disciples experienced uh, 2,000 years ago might be different to the type of persecution that we experience now, we are called to be his ambassadors all the same. So are you going to declare your allegiance to Christ? It's, it's quite easy in this church setting. Uh, whilst we're here on a Sunday morning, whilst the band is playing and the saxophone is going, and we're shouting and shaking the rackets to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But will you do it outside of Sunday morning? Will you do it even when you're alone? Uh, a little while ago, I realised I missed those passages, I thought we'd just read in Matthew. Uh, a little while ago, I went to a rugby sevens game, a few years back now, actually, at Twickenham. And there's a real kind of party uh, celebration atmosphere. Uh, lots of people having a good time, dressing fancy dress. There's also quite a few pitch invasions. <laughs> so throughout the, it's a whole kind of day long thing. And throughout the day, various people pluck up the courage to go and to run out onto the pitch. Uh, and at the time when they're with their friends and everyone's egging them on and saying, yeah, go on, yeah, we'll be there. It seems like a really good idea. Uh, but then you see the faces of the people after they've been stopped by the steward and being carried away, potentially uh, to be massively fine, and they suddenly, in that moment, realise, mm, maybe this wasn't the greatest idea before, maybe I, I shouldn't uh, be here. When you're alone, when you're not amongst others, it, it can be actually a bit of a wake-up call. And we see that with Peter. Peter, whilst he's with the disciples and with Jesus, says, Jesus, how I, how I, how I abandon you? I'm not going to deny you. Of course not. I don't care what, what these other guys are going to do. I'm with you to the end. And then just, just the next day, he's, he's out in the temple courts as Jesus has been arrested and is being taken away. And he denies Jesus three times. He denies that he even knows Jesus. Not, not that he uh, is a follower of Jesus and he loves him. Even that he's met him, that he even knows who he is. This is one of the greatest heroes of the Bible, and he denies even knowing Jesus. In those situations where we're alone, where actually those around us, not just don't believe in Jesus, but maybe think that it's, you're weird to believe in Jesus, that, that you're a bit of a freak if you say that Jesus is Lord, uh, and that you, you have faith for him, for salvation. Maybe you have denied Jesus in the past too. Maybe you've not taken opportunities to speak up with him when you've had a chance. Maybe when others have been talking about how stupid Christians are, uh, you've kept quiet or, or sort of laughed along. Like Peter, it's not too late. God is gracious and forgiving. Make this day the day that you resolve to boldly declare your allegiance to Christ Jesus. Paul was in Rome 
he was almost completely alone. He was in prison. This isn't. He's not writing this letter at a time when he's amongst Christians, where he's seeing thousands being saved. He's writing this whilst he's in prison, uh, whilst he's in chains. He's almost completely alone, surrounded by the multitudes of the wicked. He was exposed to death, the very real possibility of death, which actually he later did die for his faith. And yet he desired to speak boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and to invite sinners to repentance. Paul's desire in this situation, in this scenario, isn't, oh man, like, I've done my bit now, please get me out of prison, please pray that I'll get out of prison, I, you know, I've done my bit to faith. He's saying, no, pray that I'll be even bolder. <laughs> yes, I'm in prison, I don't care. If they, they can arrest me, they can do what they want to my body, but actually, my soul belongs to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to boldly declare it, whatever happens to me. Romans 1, 16-17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I want to urge you this morning, do not be ashamed of the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the only thing in this life that people can hold on to with any certainty, with any real hope. Many, many people have died for their faith. There are countless martyrs that you can read about through history. People who have gone out to various nations to come and to bring the good news who have died for their faith. If you were forced at gunpoint to denounce your faith, how would you respond? Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. I realise this is very serious, and I just ask a very serious question. We need to think seriously about this. Where does your allegiance lie? Who are you following? Who are you going to boldly declare with your life? You may not face death, but you will be accused of arrogance. If you boldly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and the only means of salvation, you will be accused of arrogance. But it's not arrogant. <laughs> if you imagine a burning building, going into a burning building and saying, guys, there's a fire, quick, we need to get out, this is the only exit, we need to go now. It wouldn't be arrogant to say this is the only exit to this burning building, you need to come out now. It would be it would either be truth or or complete delusion. It, the only thing it can't be is arrogant, that doesn't make sense. We're not arrogant as Christians to declare the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And we need to recognise that, that is true and that, that is the only way for all people to come to faith. You will be accused. How will you respond? So we need the Holy Spirit's help for boldness and the right words. I'm just checking my time. Uh, massively, all right, apologies. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise how late I got very quickly. Uh, we need to be fervent in prayer and bold in evangelism. These things are critical to being followers of Christ. None of them are easy, in fact, they're impossible in our own strength. And so we've been given the Holy Spirit as our helper. Uh, he will give us the words in those situations. 
Don't fear about how you will share them. You might have watched that video and thought, man, I can't be that eloquent. There's no way I can present the gospel like that. You don't need to. Don't fear how you will speak to people about your faith. Be ready. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But you don't need to write it out. You don't need to have the words written out in full. Just be ready to be used by God and allow Him to speak through you about the faith that you have. And prayer is primary. Paul needed the prayers of others. This, this request of prayer uh, made by the apostle is not some kind of fake humility or modesty. He's not saying, oh, please pray for me because I'm you know, preaching the gospel to thousands. He's saying this in the sincerity of his heart and from a very real need, a sense of needing fresh supplies of gift and grace from God to fit him for the work and service of Christ. If he needs prayer, then we absolutely do, because without prayer, our evangelism won't succeed. Pray for your leaders. Paul asks for you to pray for him. Ayo, a little while ago, challenged you to pray for us elders as a church. Have you remembered to do that? We have a, a group of churches we're a part of that's led by a, a guy called Dave Holden. Uh, we, we belong to the New Grounds. Pray for him. Pray for those who are working hard to, re- to reach unreached people groups. Uh, Paul was going out to the Gentiles. There are others now in our, in our world who are going out to unreached people groups. We uh, support an organisation at the church called Whitecliffe. Uh, they send brave linguists, uh, people uh, who are able to do translations to unrich people groups so that they can learn the language and that they can write accurate translations of the Bible. And Whitecliffe, that's an organisation that we support. And part of your offering on Sunday morning goes towards that, goes towards translating the Bible so that everybody can read it in their own language. People have died so that you can have easier access to the truth of the gospel. People have died so that the Bible can be translated into English. We need to pray for these people. Satan wants to put a stop to the spread of the gospel, but he will not succeed. And finally, pray for those who don't yet know the truth of the gospel. As an school group, we prayed for years for Dave Abraham to come to faith. Uh, and then in recent history, he, he has that. And I want to ask you to continue to be persistent in prayer for those who don't yet know Jesus. The glorious gospel is for them too. I'm going to close there, but if you want to go to a teaching conference, you can. I would like to encourage you not to come forward for prayer, but to pray with the person next to you. Uh, if you're willing to do that, and if they're willing to do that, why don't you grab one another and pray for one another to be equipped to preach the gospel, to be equipped to speak truth to uh, those through our words, through our actions, through our life, uh, to speak the truth of the gospel and to do so boldly. We're encouraged to do this boldly, not timidly. We have the Holy Spirit empowering. Why don't you just pray that over one another now? Uh, you can go to the team coffee afterwards, but just take a moment to pray with the person next to you. I'm just going to finish by reading these few verses. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. 
to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.